Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Hiva. I hope everyone's doing really well on this another beautiful May day. It's just, it's been a really lovely month overall. I celebrated my birthday last week, which I hate. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a birthday person. And I think for years I've said that I've never been a birthday person, but that's actually objectively untrue. I used to really like my birthdays as a kid growing up, you know, it was a party, everyone got together, whatever. It was fun. Um, there was one birthday I had where I acted like a brat that I didn't like. I don't really remember. But then when we moved to the U.S. is when I started to hate my birthdays. And my first birthday in the U.S., I was 11 going on 12. I was in the sixth grade. And, you know, a sixth grader had already been just a nightmare. I mean, just an absolute nightmare. Like I moved to the U.S. thinking it was going to be great. I would make friends. You know, I had such a good friend circle in Germany. Finally, like I was finally kind of in with the cool kids in the fifth grade after, you know, in the first and second grade not being so. So I just finally felt like I was in this really good place socially and then we moved to the U.S. and uh, like it's just like the cool kids wouldn't even look at me and uh, I just felt so awkward and I was uh, I felt very left out and like FOMO-ish with what was happening in Germany and my friends in Germany and I really tried to overcompensate that by uh, I don't know having these like better friendship dynamics in the sixth grade but I didn't and uh I don't know. I acted out a lot. I mean, God, there are some stories that maybe one day I'll get into, but right now it's like still too deeply traumatic for me. But I mean, I just, yeah, I was having a very hard time socially. Like it was, it was a very different social dynamic for me. And I was teased a lot. I also was like very much in puberty. Like I had puberty very young and I was made fun of a lot for like being hairy and then I was objectified a lot because I had like quite large breasts for a sixth grader and uh, it was it was just it was a very very uncomfortable year for me and if you recall there I feel like when we were young malls were kind of cool you would just like hang out at malls and so I didn't want to do a birthday party. I just wanted to go to the mall with my friend and just hang out at the mall because like we could be without our parents. Oh, and also in the sixth grade, my home life was just a disaster. I mean, my poor parents had just moved to another country. They're having a hard time acclimating. There's, you know, work pressures. There's all these things that now I understand. But obviously, like just being an 11 year old child, it was a very difficult place to be in. And so... I just wanted to go to the mall. I didn't want to be around my parents. And um, and so I told my friend, you know, my one like kind of close friend at the time, Amanda, I was like, yeah, come over. We'll go to the mall, whatever. We'll go home. And Amanda's mom to my parents referred to it as my birthday party. And my parents lost their shit on me because like I had organized a party that they weren't a part of, which in retrospect, I mean, just... This is an example of what you shouldn't do as a parent. (laughs) 
<laughs> we are three minutes in. I'm, I'm already shitting on my parents and that's not my intention. But my parents, and I think a lot of parents do this, turn to their children as like a source of like comfort and love and fulfillment. And the thing is like, that's just not the direction in which this relationship is supposed to go. Like the parent child relationship is kind of the only relationship that's actually not reciprocal. It's like pretty much just one sided and parents who try to seek like friendship or like unmet needs from their children are causing harm to their children. Anyway, so my parents got super, super angry with me and I didn't really have the wherewithal or the tools or just the understanding at that age to be like, no, actually I've quite literally done not one thing wrong. I wanted to go to the mall with my friend for my birthday. I didn't organize a birthday party that you're not invited to, but also had I organized a birthday party that you're not invited to, that's quite all right. Also, it's your personal problem that you're having an issue with this, but I didn't even do that. And you're yelling at me for no reason. Instead, of course, I internalized it. I felt super guilty. And ever since I pretty much hated my birthday. It also brings up a lot of, wow, this this episode is just off to a start. Like, I really did not mean for it to just go off with a bang like that, but I guess I still have some resentment about it, so here we are. Um, But yeah, it also brings up a lot of almost like, like codependency adjacent things for me where, you know, I want to be needless and I don't want to like want things. And so I feel guilty. And it brings up this thing where I kind of hate gifts and that's a whole separate thing. Um, but yeah, so just overall, not my favorite of times in life, but it is what it is. Um, I turned 34, which blows my fucking mind because I still feel like a kid a lot of the time. And I don't know if other people have this too, but I just, I really don't feel like a fully fledged, fully formed adult. And when I was a kid, I thought 34 is like, you're a full adult at 34, you know? And I don't know, do you ever feel like a full adult? I sometimes think that maybe if I have kids, I would feel like a full adult. But then I've heard from people who have kids, they're like, nah, I just feel like a kid who has a kid now. (laughs) And I don't really know what to do. But really, I just feel like, a large child and not even large because I'm actually not even that tall. So I just feel like a child who um, is starting to have wrinkles, like a child with sunspots on her nose, (laughs) like a child who just doesn't look very good, a child who's like not rested enough. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm actually very well rested. I'm actually probably better rested now than I was as a kid. I don't know. Okay. This is a very long tangent, but yeah, it was my birthday. It was super fun. Um, I was with Ozzy, my boyfriend, and um, what did we do? I, you know, we both did a little bit of work. I took some food pictures, did some steam room, got ready. Um, and then I had a friend from college who was like randomly in town for work. So he just stopped by for a couple of minutes and that's it. Um, but it was super nice to see him. If you're listening, hi, Jason. Um, and then... We went to Brooklyn. We went to the rooftop of the Wythe. Is that what it's called, the hotel? You know, one of those like nice rooftops in Williamsburg. And we had a few drinks. And um, 
I had this one drink that sounded really nice in the description, and I don't usually order cocktails. I'm actually not a very big drinker. I don't know if you've kind of gathered that from this podcast. I'm not like a consistent drinker. Once in a while, I'll have drinks, whatever, but I'm not like a, like I'll have my wine at the end of the day kind of person. Like I would never drink alone. Not that I'm judging drinking alone. Like, you know, some people you just see at home, you want to have a glass of wine. I don't think that's a problem. I personally just, it's just not like, I always say if I'm going to go through the effort of poisoning my body, like I kind of want it to be worth it. So I'm not just going to like drink. Um, but you know, once in a while I like to have some drinks and if I do drink, I usually just have plain vodka. I don't like to have cocktails. Nevertheless, we were there. I was like, Hey, they have some cocktails. This sounds interesting. It had celery juice. It had cucumber juice. It had jalapenos. I mean, I would like all those things without liquor. So I was like, that sounds great. Let's order it. It comes out. It is neon green. Like it is, it is the color of like glow in the dark nail polish. If you ever use that shit, like when it's not glowing in the dark yet, it's just a neon. It's highlighter green. It looks like a Gatorade. It looks like something that would be in Goosebumps. Like, do you remember the cover of the Goosebump books? Like, fuck, I love those books so much growing up. We didn't have the show and stuff in Germany, but we did have the books in the library at my school and I would read them always. Anyway, do you remember the cover would kind of be like a little three-dimensional and like neon-y? It was that color. It was horrifying. <laughs> and Honestly, I can't really tell you if the drink actually was good or not because I was so distracted by the color. And then I was kind of just nauseous thinking about it for the next two days. So yeah, that's really a story about nothing that serves literally zero purpose moving right along. <laughs> so after that, we went to um, Ozzy's friend has a record label. And there was some kind of event for the record label. My best understanding, which truly could be flawed, was that um, it's it's like for new musicians to maybe like audition <laughs> to be signed by the label. I'm not sure. It seems like a very music industry type of event. Um, it was very... <laughs> Okay, do you remember in Friends, the TV show Friends, when Ross plays the keyboards? <laughs> so for anyone who has not seen Friends, um, there's an episode where one of the characters like casually mentions that he used to play keyboards. And so another one of the characters, Phoebe, is like, oh, I really want to hear it. And so he gets out his keyboard or whatever, or gets on a keyboard or whatever. I don't know. And it's really, he's just like pressing keys and each key has a different like sound effect that it's playing. And it's just like a series of bizarre sound effects and everyone's sitting there and they're like, huh, I guess we're calling this music now. That is how I felt the entire time. I like, I had so many jokes in my head, but I obviously couldn't whip out my phone to write them down. And everyone's silent and everyone's just sitting there and no one's really like reacting. Like no one's really, it's not like, like I thought it was going to be like people are dancing or something. No, people are sitting and listening. It was like, it was like, I don't know. I feel like this with a lot of arts 
where it just feels like an emperor has no clothes situation. Like everyone's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's so deep. Like it's so this, it's so that. And I'm like, am I the only person that sees that this person is naked? Or like, is there is there something wrong with me? Or are we all seeing this, but we're all just conforming to this thing where we're like, no, this is amazing because... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's going on with the music industry. Like whatever happened to, oh, I don't know, instruments. Like remember those things. Remember mm, vocals. Remember singing. Remember beats that sound good and don't sound like you're just like being banged in the head by something. I don't know. Whatever. It was cool. It was, it was different and I like doing different things. So yeah, that was pretty fun. We went home after that and had like a very, very deep conversation about our relationship and uh, like things in each other that we're mirroring, like how we're both kind of anxious and stressed and insecure about the same things. And we're mirroring that in each other and it's kind of triggering. And it, it, I ended up like a lot of stuff came up for me about past traumas that have been playing out the past few weeks that I've been feeling some kind of ways about anyway, all stuff for another episode, another time maybe, but it was a really nice birthday overall. Um, and then I spent the entire following day being super nauseous, just thinking about that radioactive green. Like, I'm so sorry if you're listening to this and you are in the service industry or you're someone who likes to have people over or whatever it is that you do, if it's something that's meant to be ingested I think it should have a color that one could find in nature. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm just like so health and wellnessy and I don't really consume artificial things that much. Maybe like if you're just used to artificial coloring, then to you it's whatever and this doesn't sound horror. I mean, if you're someone who drinks Gatorade, Gatorade clearly you're like, I, I don't understand what the problem is. Like I consume this color all the time. But I, I don't know. I'm telling you, it is so off-putting to me. It is just, mm, 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 I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, I spent Thursday all day just like being super nauseous and um, eating a lot of really good food. It was actually quite a lovely day. I think it was raining also. So I love when it rains and I don't have like FOMO and I can just indulge in being indoors. And then Friday... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, this is what the podcast has come to. I'm just recapping my week for you guys, but I don't know, whatever. Um, Friday, I met up with a friend for drinks. That was super fun. Um, I actually, I really want to have her on the podcast to talk about some specific things. So I'm not going to talk about that too much, but that was really cool. And then Saturday, Ozzy and I went out and I don't go out a lot or like if at all, ever. Like, I barely really leave my house. So it was very out of character for me. But we have this friend who we met together who's actually Australian, and he has a clothing store. And, um, like, actually, I've only met him once. It was the time we met him together. But then we've stayed in touch for months. And um, at the time, he was seeing this girl... Um, okay, I'm actually going to come back to him. I want to kind of start from the beginning. So we were going to meet up with him and then go to this party at a rooftop in Long Island City. And I think it's like the opening party for um, this rooftop venue or something to that effect is my understanding. And we're like, you know what? This is stuff we don't usually do. Let's, you know, go do it. And 
it was 90 plus degrees on Saturday. And I really have not been a huge fan of my body lately. Um, you know, my body just tends to fluctuate a little bit. I have such a history of like restricting and then binging. So, I mean, I'm used to fluctuations and then I've had a thyroid issue for close to a year now that I've probably talked about a little bit here and there. And I've definitely gained weight and I lost like all the weight I had gained when I was in Australia. But the instant I came back to the U.S., it all came rushing back. I'm not entirely sure what the situation is, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, I've not been a fan of my body. I was feeling super bloated. I actually ended up getting my period the next morning. So I mean, some of that bloating makes sense, but I just, I, and I just like to hide in big sweatshirts and stuff. And the thing with temperature is as it goes up, you're just kind of forced to show more skin to just, just to survive. Right. And so it's one thing to heat your body in the winter as I did all winter. I was just in sweats the entire time, but like on a 90 plus degrees day. And this party isn't like late at night. We were going to meet up with the guy at five and then head to the party. So it's, it's still like 90 degrees and I'm just, like like pretty much all day, all I was thinking about is what am I going to wear? Like, what am I going to wear that hides my body sufficiently, but also I don't feel disgustingly hot in? And I realized I always do this. Like when I'm in a phase of not liking my body, I treat it like something that deserves no respect. Like I just want to hide it I feel disgusting about myself and it's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because by treating it in that way, I then don't want to, I don't want to actually nourish it and feel good. I just, I'm like, well, I already feel fat. So let me just like binge more. Like, let me just treat myself even worse because like, this is what I deserve. And I don't know, I had this moment while I was trying to get dressed where I was like, I don't want to wear something that I like think is gross and just like disgusting. Like I like, it's warm out. Like I want to wear something that's cute. And I pulled out this like little shorts set that I have. It's like a linen set. It's, um, little linen shorts. And then this little linen, it's like, it's really like essentially like a long piece of cloth that you just kind of tie around, um, your boobies. It's really cute. Maybe I'll post a photo of it or something. (laughs) And I was like, okay, if the shorts zip, I should really wear this. And I put it on and they did zip. Now, did I have a bit of like a belly? Like, was my belly perfectly flat? No. Did I have like a bit of a pooch on the bottom? Sure. Like, were my arms bigger than I'd like them to be? Of course. Like, did I like sometimes if I sat, like, would I have like kind of like a bit of a muffin top situation? Yes. Did I hate the way my thighs looked? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm not going to keep going. I didn't like how I looked in it, but I really liked the outfit. And I really had to take a minute and be like, you know what? I don't care that I feel so shitty about the current state of my body. I still deserve to wear cute things. Like I still deserve to wear an outfit. Like I don't need to treat myself like this. And 
Yeah, it's just weird. And when we were on the subway, I was kind of looking around at other people and I was thinking to myself, isn't it strange how we are like, we're just these bodies that we adorn in different ways, like with hair, right? Like we like the hair on our head, we generally have grow out the hair on our bodies as females, we pull out men sometimes grow the hair on their faces as a way to like, it's just all like different ways that we're decorating our bodies and we're putting these clothes on it. And we have all these judgments about what this body is supposed to look like, right? Like for women, we, uh, you know, and it changes over time, but like now, Nowadays, it's like we have these expectations that our stomach is supposed to be perfectly flat and that our asses are just supposed to be gigantic and our thighs are miraculously supposed to be super thin. Or like if you're in some kind of weightlifting community, then you actually kind of praise the bigger thigh look. And then we want our arms to be like super thin, but super toned. And we want our breasts to be big. And there are all these different standards that we have decided we have to meet but like they're all just bodies and it's not I don't know this is so rambly but it's just it's so strange because when we're born we don't have any of this judgment right like we learn all these things I mean we're born as like these chubby beings and we're praised for being chubby and then we grow up and we just as we're growing up I mean I remember having body image issues As far back as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, I have wanted to be thinner. I mean, except for the times where I was like down to 80 pounds. And then I was like, this is perfect. This is absolute perfection. And I cannot gain another pound. And then I would inevitably gain weight because like you can only sustain starving yourself for so long. And then I would start binging. And then I would just hate myself again and go down shame spirals and hide it with big sweatshirts. And like, what if instead we can just celebrate our bodies for being our bodies, for being the vessel that carries us through life, the, you know, the, the thing that literally takes us around and does everything for us. And instead, instead of like punishing it for being a certain way, just like showing it love all the time and allowing it to be adorned however we want to adorn it all the time. I don't know. I just, I really want to work on this in myself and I'd like to invite you guys listening to do so with me. So if you're currently kind of hating your body and you're, you know, wanting to hide it, what if instead you bought like one really cute outfit for your body as it is right now, not size down, not the size you want it to be, not the size you used to be that you know you can get to. You know, I heard this analogy once and it always really stuck with me. This woman said, she said she lives in an apartment right now and she really, really loves her apartment. It's really cute. It's this, it's that. Someday she would love to live in a house. But the fact that she doesn't have that house now doesn't take away from her current apartment. And so if you really want to change something about your body, I'm not saying you're not allowed to, right? Especially like, you know, you've gained weight. It's different from your usual weight. Uh, It would be bullshit for me to say, just love yourself wherever you are now, because I know I'm not there. So I'm not taking away from like maybe wanting to change something, but we can want to change something 
and also love where it's at now. Work on loving where it's at now. So even if, you know, there is something like maybe you're just like, unhealthy in your body weight and you'd like to eat healthier and like exercise and you know you want the physical to change too I'm not saying that's not okay and I really hope no one comes at me for this I just want to be fully fully honest with where my mental status is right now and maybe like that's fucked up too who knows I think it's okay to want to change something But I do think we should work on loving things where they're at, even if we want that thing to change, right? Back to the apartment. I mean, there are things that we can love while also wanting something else for the future. So yeah, if you're somewhere that you don't currently really love with your body and you want it to be different, I challenge you to just like still treat this body with respect, with the respect that it deserves because it is your body. Simple as that. Not because like, you know, you have an ass like Kardashian or you have tits like this person or whatever, whatever it is. No, because it's your body. It's yours. It's carrying you through life. It's doing so much for you. Like we have to start treating ourselves better. Okay. So before I fully move on, I do want to just acknowledge something real quick. Um, I mentioned that we were on the subway when I was having all these like high style thoughts about bodies. And it's just like, I say high style because I get really caught up in the fact that like we could have any sort of vessel on this planet. Like it just so happens that we have like a head and legs and torso and arms and whatever. Like we could have come out as just like a full on blob. Like we could have had like like snakes of a completely different shape. And um, and as far as I know, I mean I don't know. I'm no like pet psychiatrist. We're the only animal who's created these expectations of how that should look. Other animals just are. They just are with their nature. Okay, anyway, I understand this sounds like a stoner thought. I was stone cold sober when this happened, but I do recognize what it sounds like. Okay, so I mentioned that I was on the subway, so I just feel like I have to acknowledge um, there was uh, someone who was shot on the subway. It was actually... It happened on Sunday. It was the subway station right by me, like right by my apartment. And um, there was obviously a subway shooting a couple months ago when I was in Australia. And, you know, crime really is at an all-time high. I mean, uh, anti-Semitism is like truly at an all-time high right now. There's just, there's a lot of racially motivated crime. There's a lot of random crime. There's a lot of, you know, mental health issues coming up. And it really is kind of a scary time. And I historically have not, like I've had a lot of different types of anxiety, but I've never really felt like unsafe. Like I'll walk everywhere, anywhere by myself. I walk my dog at night in alleys. Like I just, that's not a type of, I mean, I'm always as a female aware of like men around me and being like sexually attacked, but I've never really feared like random violence the way that I do nowadays. And If you're someone who can relate to that, I just want to say I see you. I literally have zero answers, but I do want to say that I see you and, you know, I'm feeling the same way. And it's kind of this weird thing because, like, I've been having this bizarre type of anxiety lately where I walk down the street and I just for one second, like, visualize someone pulling out a knife or, like, all these things that I I haven't had in the past. And, 
you know, with anxiety, often what we're dealing with is things that like aren't really based in reality, but in this scenario, it kind of is based in reality because it is so intense. And it's like, how do you, you have to be able to turn it off to a point where you can still engage in the world, but also acknowledge that it is kind of real. And yeah, I don't know. I have no answers. I just want to say, I do see you. And also, you know, if you're living somewhere that has recently been attacked, there have been so many recently, um, you know, I'm sending you love. If you know someone who's been hurt in any way, you know, I'm so, so sorry for what you're dealing with. And, I literally have no answers other than I think there's a lot of mental health issues going on right now. I think, you know, COVID certainly tipped a lot of people over the edge. And I think the best that we can do as a society is to continue investing in mental health. And I think having the types of conversations that we have on this podcast and the types of conversations that I hope listening to the podcast inspires you to have with the people around you is the best that we can do. And really, the number one thing that we can do is address our own shit because we tend to think of like, oh, well, this is a crazy person and like, I'm not like that. No, we all have our own forms of like, quote unquote, crazy. And the best that we can do is like really dig into our own shit and treat other people with compassion and kindness, even if they're different from us. And yeah, I really have nothing to say other than, (laughs) I mean, like, thank you for listening because the fact that you are listening shows that you are someone who does care about bettering yourself. And in this day and age, or just in general in life, I think that's the best place to be in. Okay, so sharp left back to Saturday night. So we take the subway up to this guy's place, his store actually. We're hanging out there, his friend comes. The four of us are just, you know, hanging out, having fun, whatever. Ozzy and I were being so cute. We're not like a very PDA-ish couple. And we weren't even on this night, but we were just, we were very like in sync and being very cute. Like even later in the night when we were around more people, everyone was like, you and your boyfriend are really adorable. And I was like, oh my God, I know, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, I hate saying this stuff. Like it would be so much easier to just like shit on the relationship or like make fun of it. But the truth is like, I'm really, really happy in my relationship and I'm really grateful for it. And the reason I don't talk about it more is because I feel like it sounds braggy and I don't like to sound braggy. (laughs) Anyway, so um, we go to the party. It's this rooftop thing. There's EDM, which I hate, but I was just kind of getting into it. Oh, and so the guy that we're hanging out with, the guy with the store, he um, was telling us that he has a new girlfriend. Now, back when we met him, which was, I don't know, like October, November, he had a girlfriend. And she came. So Ozzy met him at a dinner of all Australian people. And during the dinner, he was like, I don't know if you should come to the dinner. I don't know. Like he didn't mention like to bring a plus one. So, but like, I'll text you and see what the vibe is. And like, I definitely want you to come meet up with us. So during the dinner, he texts, he's like, please, 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 please come. And so I came over there and it's all Australian people. And so this guy, I'm just sitting near him. He starts talking to me, the store guy, right? And, um, 
he was like, oh, uh, my girlfriend is coming too. So you won't be the only non-Australian person here. And I was like, cool, awesome. And so when she gets there, I start talking to her. I'm like, so how long have you guys been together? Now thinking like he keeps referring to her as his girlfriend. So I'm like, you know, like a year, two years, six months, whatever. They had met two weeks before that. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So you just like really made it official, like quite quickly. Sure. Whatever. Like I'm not here to judge that. And then later in the night, I find out they say, I love you to each other. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. That just seems like factually inaccurate. <laughs> like, I mean, it's cool that you guys say it to each other. I just like, I don't think that you actually do love each other because you met two weeks ago. You don't live in the same city. You haven't really spent that much time together, but sure, whatever. And then, so we're hanging out this night, you know, fast forward six months or whatever and Saturday night. And he's like, yeah, my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, oh, the same, the Texan girl. And he's like, no, 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 not her. It's this new girl I met like the other week. And, um, you know, we just had like such a strong connection, blah, blah. And as he's talking, I realized this is his thing. He does this. He jumps into things really, really quickly. And it gets like pretty attached pretty quickly, which I mean, God, if you had asked me anywhere up until like two years ago, I'd have been like, what a dream, like a man who just immediately becomes attached. Like, isn't that what I want? Of course, now that I've done like so much work on myself, I realize that's definitely not what I want. But it really got me to thinking about attachment styles And this is something I've talked about before on the podcast a long time ago, but, you know, the conversation was kind of derailed and it couldn't get like as deep as I wanted it to. And then there's been references to it. And, you know, it's it's a topic that's growing a lot in awareness. So uh, I there's such a wide range of people who listen to the podcast. There are some who are like experts on attachment styles. There are some of you listening who may have like never heard of the concept. So I just kind of wanted to do a bit of an overview in like the history of attachment styles, what they are, like what it means, like what attachment theory means and what you can do about it. Okay, so before I explain the attachment styles, I just want to go through a history of attachment theory. So attachment theory was originally developed by a British psychoanalyst named John Balby. Balby? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce words. Um, he lived from 1907 to 1990. Um, so this was in the 1900s. And he was attempting to understand the distress that infants experience when they're separated from their parents. I don't know if you've noticed, but like when infants are not with their parents, they tend to cry. He basically theorized that it's evolutionary for kids to be attached to their parents because as mammal infants, we're completely incapable So we quite literally need our parents to be able to survive. So basically saying like it's normal, like it's, it's kids need their parents. So when they're separated, they cry, they make noise, they do pretty much anything that they can do to be attached to that parent again, because that's what they need for survival. And so basically what he comes up with is 
if the attachment figure, which for a child would be their care, their primary caretaker, is accessible, nearby, and attentive, then the child perceives to be safe and safe, love, secure, yada, yada, and is you know likely to be normal. And if the child perceives the answer to that question to be a no, then they have anxiety and you know likely to cry, scream, do various things to become attached again and feel safe, secure, loved. Then in the 1970s, Mary Ainsworth, another psychologist, kind of expanded on um, Balby's <laughs> original research. So she created a um, research experiment where they observed children between the ages of 12 and 18 months and observed how they responded to situations where they're briefly left alone and separated from their mothers and then reunited with their mothers. And so what she found was that 60% of these kids were what she termed secure. So when they were separated from their parents, uh, from their mother specifically, they were in distress, but when they were reunited, they were happy, but it was an extreme. 20% were anxious when separated, so they were extremely distressed, like extremely distressed. And 20% were avoidant in that when they were separated from their moms, they just literally didn't give a shit. <laughs> and so when they were reunited, similarly didn't give a shit. Anyway, there's been a ton more research in this, and there have been psychologists who've come up with different uh, stages of attachment. So keep in mind, this study was with children of ages 12 to 18 months. So that's not like newborns. Um, generally, it's thought that between zero to, th zero to three months, you like largely just don't give a shit. You just need someone to meet your needs. Um, after that is when you start like becoming attached to your primary caretakers over other people. And then I think like after 19 months, you start developing attachments to other people also. Something to that effect. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of studies on this, but I want to flash forward to now, to today, to four uh, primary attachment styles that we have. So basically what we found is how we like connect with other adult relationships is similar to and based on how we connect with our parents or connected with our parents, I should say, growing up. So in adult relationships, primarily romantic relationships, although we see this in all types of relationships, there are four different styles of attachment. So there's first anxious attachment. It's also called preoccupied. And that is kind of the trope of like the needy, clingy partner. Um, this person needs approval, seeks support, seeks responsiveness from their partner. They usually fear abandonment. They might be someone who jumps into relationships kind of quickly. They might be prone to clinginess, being demanding, jealousy. They're generally preoccupied with relationships. And in a specific relationship, they're generally preoccupied with that relationship. These people often have a hard time being alone. Breakups tend to hit them very hard unless they're just able to immediately find someone new. It's that stereotype. Now, to bring it full circle, I suspect that that guy from Saturday night has some anxious attached patterning in him because I see him just 
instantly jump into things really, really quickly with people. And um, yeah, he really just seems to jump from one serious relationship to another. Now, I don't know enough about him and his patterning to really make this conclusion. It just, it does feel like that. I suspect it. So to bring it back to childhood, people with anxious attachment styles tend to have kind of overbearing helicopter parents. So the parent who never wanted you to be alone or do things alone, basically you received the message that you had to be attached to your parents to be safe. Like I had this a lot with my parents. I mean, to bring it back to my fucking birthday, right? They always wanted to be around. Like I remember when I was a kid, they never left me home alone. They never let me like do things alone. They wouldn't let me take the subway alone. They wouldn't let me like run up the street to a friend's place. Like they had instilled this message in me as a child that like, if you're not with us, it's dangerous. So then you grow up and now the person that you're attached to is usually your romantic partner. That's the new attachment relationship. As a child, it's your parent. As an adult, it's your romantic partner usually. And so you have this imprintation in your mind that if we're separated, there is danger. So you start becoming preoccupied with it. You start wondering what they're doing. You might like check in on them, be like checking in on their Instagram. If you have like email passwords or shit like that, you might do that. You might call a million times because you know, you're feeling that anxiety of separation. And then if they answer, answer that call, it calms down that anxiety. I mean, who hasn't been there? I've been there a million fucking times. You just, you learn that you have to be with your partner, attached to your partner to be safe. And then on the up, opposite end of that spectrum, there's avoidant attachment style. This is also called dismissive avoidant. These are the kind of like independent and self-sufficient people, the lone wolves. They feel like they don't have to be in a relationship. They don't want to depend on people. They avoid emotional closeness. They often hide or suppress their own feelings. This usually happens from parents who are not emotionally available to the children parents who often don't encourage the showing of emotion from children. So this might happen, you know, when you see like a kid throws a tantrum and the parent like completely disassociates. Now I'm not saying if you do this every, like if you do this with your child, they're definitely going to grow up to be avoidant, but depending on the type of child you have and the type of needs that the child has and how often these things are happening, it could lead to something like this. So yeah, they learn to be independent to stay safe because they've learned as children that no matter what they do, their needs aren't going to be met. So it's better for them to just meet their own needs. It's safer to not even try to have needs met by other people. So we tend to often label avoidant attachment styles in the society as like fuck boys and like emotionally unavailable. And there's this kind of stigma around it. I would say especially in kind of like the wellnessy community, right? Like how often do you see like, oh, fuck that person. They're emotionally unavailable. Fuck this, fuck that. These are actually like traumatized people. <laughs> These are people who deep down really do want connection because deep down we all want connection. We're human beings. We're social beings. We all need human connection to survive. Yet these are people who've been so traumatized 
that they're not even able to see that they want and need that connection. And by traumatized, I want to be clear, I generally never mean like big T trauma. So big T trauma is like serious abuse, you know, like serious, serious neglect. I mean, you know, like sexual abuse, serious emotional abuse, serious verbal abuse. I usually don't mean that. Anything can be traumatic for a kid. So, you know, just like sometimes crying and the parent not coming in, that can be traumatic for a baby. Um, and, you know, there's different schools of thought on parenting and the lesson I think we learn over and over again. And you can revisit um, an episode that I did with Gloria where she was a child psychologist and she talks about it. She says there are different ways for different parents. Like there's no one right way to do things. So I know people like to like verbalize their babies or whatever. I'm not here to say whether that's right or wrong, but we do know that different kids have different needs. So if you were a kid who maybe needed to be coddled in that moment and you weren't, that creates some trauma. And then you grow up to be avoidant because you learn to not depend on other people. Now, one really interesting thing that happens is that avoidant attachment types and anxious attachment types. So the two that we've talked about so far often end up together and it can be quite a disaster. So really what happens is for the anxious type, it's like a drug because physiologically fear and excitement are actually the same thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Um, like, so like, anxiety, like the fearful type of anxiety, your heart's racing, you know, you have butterflies in your stomach. It's physiologically the same feeling as excitement. So your body just like confuses the anxiety that you're having over this relationship. Like you don't hear from them all the time. And it like, it feels like shitty and you're just like in that uh, state. And then like the one time you hear from them, it's like, it's like heroin right to the vein, right? So for the anxious type, it's exciting. It feels like excitement. Even if they're in serious distress 99% of the time, the 1% where they're getting what they want just erases the 99%. So they're staying in because it's like a drug, right? It's that hit that you're getting that relieves that anxiety that makes it so desirable. For the avoidant types, now, if they're with another avoidant, it's just not going to go anywhere, right? I mean, they're both kind of avoiding each other. If they're with a secure person, which I'll get into um, in a bit, secure people just generally like won't put up with it. They'll get bored. They'll move on. So they just end up being with anxious people because the anxious people are going to keep calling. They're going to keep trying. They're going to keep things alive. So this dynamic tends to happen and it just, it, it, it usually ends in disaster. But I'll talk about like, we can all change our attachment styles. Anyway, the third attachment style is sometimes called disorganized. It's sometimes called fearful avoidant. These people want intimacy and closeness, but they also have a hard time trusting and depending on, depending on others. They don't regulate their emotions well. They sometimes avoid emotional attachment for fear of getting hurt. Um, I actually really resonate with fearful avoidant. I used to think that I had strongly anxious anxious attachment style, but then when I started learning more about fearful avoidant, I was like, no, 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 this is me literally to a T. So I just want to illustrate a scenario. And if you can relate to just the energy of the scenario, you probably have some fearful avoidant patterning in you. 
I would do this thing all the time, like in a fight, I'd be like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I need space, I'm leaving. Now, this is something that both types of avoidance will do, both the dismissive avoidant and the fearful avoidant. So you just storm out, you leave because you want space. The difference is the dismissive avoidant um, just leaves, right? They just, like, that's it, end of story. They, they want the, that, that moment, the emotion, they want all those things to end. The fearful avoidant leaves, but then, like maybe a minute or two later, they'll be upset that the partner didn't chase after them. So, like, if you can resonate with that, you might have fearful avoidant patterning. Now, to go back to childhood, fearful avoidant attachment style does tend to happen from more trauma and abuse in childhood. Um, households where there's a lot of fighting. Basically what happens is your caregiver is sometimes a source of safety and sometimes a source of danger. So if you had a parent who would yell a lot, but also be really nice to you when they're not angry, that's the type of thing that'll give you fearful avoidant type. And also I just want to be super clear. I'm not like everyone's doing the best that they can all of our parents did the best that they could. Like they're just human beings. Um, you know, I think it's important to be honest with ourselves about what exactly did happen and not put them on a pedestal and act like they were perfect. But I think it's also important to recognize that they're human beings who are working off of their own level of trauma and that's it. Okay, the fourth type is secure. You know, this is someone who's comfortable expressing emotions. They can depend on partners. They can let their partners depend on them. They thrive in relationships, but they don't fear being on their own. They don't depend on the responsiveness or approval of others. They have a positive view of themselves and of others. Now, everyone can have, everyone has multiple attachment styles. Our attachment styles are often different in different types of relationships. So like friendship versus romantic, they're different depending on the individual person. Um, one thing that I see happen all the time is if you're someone who, let's say, has more anxious patterning and you're dating someone else who has more anxious patterning, you might become more avoidant or the opposite. So it's it's different all the time. We have multiple things within us. It's changing depending on who we're interacting with. Nevertheless, I think we would all agree that the goal ultimately is to try to become as secure as possible. And the good news is that our nervous systems are malleable and everyone can get to secure. Now for this, I think there's a two-pronged approach. And the first prong like with everything else in life, you really can't fix it until you get to the root of it, right? Like think of like, if you're someone who's prone to headaches, you can take Advil every day, sure. You can try to mask it, sure. And like the analogy here would be taking Advil for me is like doing the things, right? So if you're anxious and you want to not have the anxious attachment patterning, Sure, you can just like throw your phone out the window so you don't call them a zillion times when you're not hearing from them and freaking out. Sure, you can do that, but it's really not going to get to the root of what the problem is. So you really have to like sit there and be like, okay, why am I getting these headaches? And it's often a really simple answer. Dehydration can do it. 
your pillow might be fucking you up. Maybe you need to get your eyes checked. <laughs> I mean, it could be any number of things. Um, random aside, if you're kind of into herbs and you take a lot of like herbal supplements or herbal tinctures or this or that, astragalus gives a small percentage of people headaches. Um, I discovered this a few years ago. If you're finding yourself getting headaches all the time, you have no idea why. Check your herbs and see if you're taking astragalus. It might be giving you headaches. They're gnarly. It sucks. It feels like everything's ending. Moving right along. Like with everything else, you just, you have to get to the root of it. So you have to be honest with yourself about what actually happened in your childhood. You have to take your parents off of the pedestal and view them as human beings who are flawed, much like you are flawed, much like I am flawed, much like all of us are flawed. And they did things wrong, not because they wanted to be assholes, but because that is the level that they were working with because their parents also fucked them up. And so it goes on. There's generations of trauma that we are all acting on. So they're not monsters. They're not angels. They're just human beings. Be honest with yourself about what happened. And then you want to give yourself the experiences that you didn't get. So you want to give the younger part of yourself, your quote unquote inner child, what you needed as a child, but you weren't able to get. So let's take it back to the anxious, right? So someone with anxious attachment style was taught via words, actions, energy as a child that if they're not with their attached partner, which as a child is their parent, then there is no safety. So you want to go back and give yourself the experience of having a parent who lets you have more independence. So like what I like to do to address this is I'll go in a deep meditative state and then visualize myself as a kid and give myself new imaginary parents who are like, hey, you want to run up the street and like go play at the neighbor's house? And I'll be like, okay, bye. And I run out the door and I go by myself. Right. So something like that, where you're getting the experience of having a parent who's letting you have that independence. So if you're more of the um, dismissive avoidant type, then you want to visualize yourself in this deep meditative state, having parents who are really nurturing and really there for you and like letting you cry and letting you have all the emotions um, if you're the fearful avoidant type, um, I actually really would recommend number one, going to therapy and, um, seeing a type of therapist who specializes in CPTSD. That's, um, I believe it's chronic PTSD is what the C stands for. Complex, complex C, uh, PTSD. That's what it stands for. Um, I really recommend Andrea Lee. She's my somatic therapist. She did wonders with me on this topic. Um, there's an episode that she's on from, it's the first episode of 2022. If you want to check that out and all her information is in the show notes, I believe it's somatictherapybrooklyn.com or something like that. Um, but I really would recommend finding someone who specializes in this type of work because I don't think it's as simple as closing your eyes and envisioning something. Nevertheless, I since I'm doing it for everyone else, I feel like I have to do it. Uh, picture a very stable household where you know you could do or say whatever you wanted and it wouldn't elicit violence or anger or tantrums from your parents. So yeah, you want to give yourself the experiences that you needed, but that you didn't get. You want to be the parent to yourself, 
that you needed as a child and that your parents weren't able to be not because they're monsters, not because they're evil, but because they're human beings and they're not mind readers and they don't know. They did the best that they could. That's the truth. And then along with the internal work, I think the second prong is actual action steps. And like with everything else, the opposite is usually the antidote. So if you're someone who has more anxious patterning, then you're, you tend to like, people with anxious patterning tend to have a negative view of themselves and a higher view of other people. So what you really want to do is cultivate more of a relationship with yourself. You know, take time to be single. Don't jump from relationship to relationship. Do things by yourself. Take yourself on artist dates to, you know, borrow from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way. Take yourself out to do fun things. Um, Try new hobbies. Just really cultivate that relationship with yourself. If you have more avoidant patterning, and by this I mean dismissive avoidant patterning, you want to create more connections with other people. And when you're hanging out with people, take it deeper. Ask a lot of questions about them, like deeper questions, like really build more intimacy with people. And also get in the habit of asking yourself how you feel about things. And this is because avoidance tend to have a hard time actually like feeling their emotions or getting in touch with their emotions. So really get in the habit of asking yourself how you feel about things. For the disorganized or the fearful avoidant, you're really going to need a combination of both of those action steps. So yeah, this is my two-pronged approach. You want to do the internal work first. You really want to give yourself that parenting that you needed as a child. And then you also want to take action steps, real life action steps. Um, so yeah, that's just my overview of attachment theory. Um, I feel like I've rambled for a really long time. I'm super, super thirsty, so I'm going to go. I love you guys so much. Um, truly the best birthday gift in the world is the fact that there are people who listen to this podcast. Like how fucking lucky am I that there are people that tune in every week to listen to me talk about things that I find interesting. And it's so cool that there are other people who find this shit interesting too. And to bring it back to what I was saying before, the best that we can do is work on ourselves. If we want to raise secure children, the best thing you can do is be secure. And this is how we improve the world by just working on ourselves and then bringing that out into the world. So by being here, by listening, you're actually really starting that process. And I'm so fucking grateful for you guys. Um, per usual, please take a minute to rate, review, subscribe, Leaving a review really helps. It bumps this podcast up so more people can see it and find it and listen to it and work on themselves. And that way there's more people who are more conscious of their own behavior and the world for you to interact with. So it, it benefits you when you share this episode, more people listen to it, more people take from it, more people learn from it. We're helping each other. We're helping the world. Let's do it, guys. Love you. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. Love you, love you. Bye. Bye.